0: Hi, this is Randy Randall of No Age and host of the podcast Hyphenate with Randy Randall. I want to welcome our newest sponsor of the show, DistroKid. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms and artists keep 100% of their royalties. Hyphenate listeners get 30% off at distrokid.com backslash VIP backslash hyphenate. Again, that's distrokid.com backslash VIP backslash H Y P H E N A T E. Go get your music streaming everywhere now. What's happening? Happy Monday, Mister Farley. How you doing this this morning, sir?
1: That's good. Uh, <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm doing well. Awesome. I was just saying, we have a snow day. Second snow day in a row. That's so exciting. I didn't think like that's it's been so um, like mild. the te- the The weather has been so mild th- from November till now that I think we had had like just a dusting of snow.
0: That was enough and to call snow day. They, they no, no, it. like Uh-oh. before that, we Uh-oh. had only had a
1: dusting of snow in like the last three months, and usually we get like at least a couple snowstorms. And so the kids were kind of bummed and. Like oh, and then now this new storm. That's, I mean, L.A. got the worst of it. It's we got like all, flooding all the water and the rain and the things. I mean, yeah, yeah, you guys got everyone's getting flooded out. Yeah, but, we're lucky um, here. We didn't we're, get as
0: much. We're right at the foothills and didn't get. To, yeah, we didn't get too bad. I saw some areas. Yeah. Checked in on some friends. Everybody seems more or less like they were good. We had a giant- your
1: area is kind of built for flood. Like the, you're used to getting the water.
0: I think they had kind a of, lot of bad floods like in the 20s and 30s. Yeah. It was like giant flood channels kind of all up around the foothills here. Yeah. So it seems like they're, um, yeah, somebody learned something maybe yeah, decades, that's what, many, many decades ago and prevented yeah, that from ever when we happening. we were in
1: again. Altadena. That's what it was like too. There were like those big flood channels everywhere and we never had issues. And all of that water ran to where it was flat and then everybody got flooded out at the bottom of the hill.
0: <laughs> it's wild. I've done so much water thinking and researching and just trying to understand water and Southern California water. It's really, it's a head, it's a head scratcher. I mean, I think ideally it would be, you know, floodplains and it wouldn't the LA river wouldn't be concreted over and it would just be rocks and mud and whatever, but you'd have to have at least like, you know, 500 to a thousand feet, um, berm on both sides of the river. Which would allow oh, yeah. for those areas to flood and then and be fertile, you know, and you could almost run, you could almost have gardens, farms, all kinds yeah. of things, you know, whatever would be some kind of natural sort of thing. But, but then, um, but I don't know, maybe it's idealistic too. Maybe I'm like, I'm seeing with rose colored glasses, but obviously, but then there's the, 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 the real estate idea, you know, yeah. of like f- having, you know uh acres and acres of just area around the la river that goes through downtown some of the most expensive yeah. you know real estate in the country it's like insane there, nobody yeah, randy, do that nobody randy what i'm
1: gonna need you to do <laughs> is to think more like a developer please uh, yeah. this
0: is getting a little out of hand yeah and we're uh this, this whole like billions of dollars
1: keeping water in the aquifer and finding ways to keep the water instead of like Shooting it out to the ocean <laughs> is really uh, working hard against my bottom line, and yeah. I, I'm not enjoying this. Yeah, I'm not enjoying this at all. Yeah, there's a reason and- we concreted it so it could go as fast as possible to the ocean. Yeah, get out of my
0: <laughs> not my area where the, I'm building houses. Uh, the aquifer, yeah, underneath the city, so we could actually have water throughout the year. And so, yeah, but, you know, but it's cool. Well, you know, we, we're just gonna go ahead and uh, cut giant um, uh, canyons off of uh, the Colorado River. Up near Wyoming, yeah. and we're just gonna take that water down here. I think I'm yeah, yeah. it up there. It's just it's It makes a lot mountains. more sense.
1: That makes yeah. a lot more sense to um, truck, truck pipe pipe water in from hundreds and hundreds of miles away, versus uh, than it does to figure out a way to keep the water here.
0: Well, and that's what's hard too about the. Um, you know people are like oh cool there's so much rain the the uh the drought must be over and it's like well the rain's not really always where you need it you kind of need it like up north or you need actually need the snowpacks you know yeah. further up in Colorado cuz that's now where our water source is our water source is not local we don't use any local water for anything yeah so it's yeah it's just designed those systems designed for scarcity and then when there's an abundance it's not really like you know i think everyone's trying their best to figure out ways to uh, either capture rainwater but it's, it was, we're playing off of a, a you know, hundred year old game of, of um, Army Corps of Engineers projects that were built well. And yeah. so you don't have to change that. It's, it's, it's not easy. The infrastructure has been set for, I mean, they've been like, for all the years. best thinking was done in the 1930s. Right. We all know that. <laughs> of course. Yeah. There's no bad
1: ideas back then. Uh, yeah, no, Michelle deals with a lot of like water issues in the LA river mm-hmm. stuff all the time. And it's, and it's um, it's kind of mind blowing how slow, because the because the um the LA River is actually federal, right? Because it's mm-hmm. the Army Corps of Engineers, yeah. So it's actually federal, so that you can't just do anything necessarily local. You have to go through all the steps of getting the federal government, and and you know you screw that up, and all of a sudden you flood Long Beach. <laughs> <laughs> well i don't think that's, that's happening also a bad on this idea. one, but
0: yeah but we could see yeah what the potentiality for like shit yeah. to be messed up is like no i got a great idea
1: okay let's mm-hmm. do that one quick and then uh, you get the the hundred year old or a hundred year rain or whatever that we get oh. every five years right do uh, more and more yeah and then uh all of a sudden half the city's flooded and we are like oh whoa. oh got it i didn't take that into consideration We'll see. I mean, speaking yeah, of, man. we could we could we could go well, into uh, the, the. That's our. The, oh, we could go into the art world by Joel talking kayak. about Lauren. Well, with Lauren Bond, right? Like oh yeah, her yeah. dealing <gasps> with the LA River and art oh, projects. You yeah. went. You went well, to the her like, studio, I like our, right? I
0: like our water um, opening segments we have now. We talked about water fountains on last uh, week's episode. Oh, yeah. Now we have water we uh, conservation. You know, we're just kind of going. We'll talk
1: about. We'll talk about seeding uh, clouds later in this episode,
0: <laughs> or I mean in the next For, episode that's next week. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah,
1: yeah, Leave ourselves somewhere to go. Whether that's the government creates weather or not—that's <laughs> that's
0: next. I think Taylor Swift creates the weather. Is what I've heard. Yes. she's more she's more powerful than the government. Of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All power. Um, yeah. So yeah, what did you think of uh, Jill, uh, Jill Kayak? Has this oh, your I first time hearing
1: awesome. him? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, like I said before, the whole like. I mostly knew Lightning Bolt from this, from that area, and um, and so to hear everything that was surrounding that band and the whole RIS- RISD situation, mm-hmm. um, and Joel seems like he was one of the early adopters, right? <laughs> I think so. He was there. He was there like a bit before everybody, or in even him. Like I loved how he grew up in rural Pennsylvania, like oh a town of to like two hundred people or whatever.
0: Yeah, we had so um, much fun on tour with Joel. He had a story like every stop of the way, like with this last uh, No Age tour that we did on the East Coast. Yeah, his, his solo project Dream Mega opened a lot of the shows, oh, and amazing. he was just driving a um a Prius. I think it was just like his car, but it was like full of all of his gear, and he'd have to take it out every night yeah um, and so there's a lot of gear but he, like every stop or every time we would like run into him I'm like this fucking guy he'll fucking cut me off on the freeway and this fucking guy this fucking thing and we're just like i think dean and i are pretty mellow you know in the, yeah. in the van we had our friend bobby uh shout yeah. outs bobby berg um in from chicago and we're all just you know probably listening to bad brains for six hours and stopping every once in a while to get a soda and go to the bathroom and then back in the van or something it, yeah. but it's a pretty mellow just nothing really happens sure we show, yeah we show up like Maybe we'll get some Thai food later. Yeah, why not? Okay, you know, and then Joel would come shot out of a cannon. It was great. Bring the energy. Have that energy. Yeah, (laughs) it was always good. You always had a story. There's always so much excitement.
1: That Pennsylvania
0: small town energy. (laughs) I think that's. I don't know. Might just be Joel. Joel kayak special energy. I loved it. I think it was really. It was really fun, and we kind of kept us on our toes, and. um, yeah. It was great though, but there was always stories and he had stories about Fort Thunder and early days. And so on, you know, when, you know, in general, I wanted to talk to him about all the different stuff he does because his, his art career is insane as well. Did you get a chance yeah. to look at his, his site and his CD yeah. and all the stuff? It's
1: Yeah, so, totally. Yeah. Well, I like the, um, I mean, I know the gallery that he's with, uh, Francois Gabali. Oh. Um, I was just, I'm assuming that's how you say it. Cause it, that's how it's spelled and it looks fancy in French. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, and it which isn't a really it's a really amazing gallery that shows like uh, interesting like um, I mean I think it, we talked about this in the last one too. It's like his work is not just like oh it's a cool sellable painting and he does these really amazing paintings but easily sellable like his stuff is is like paintings and performance and and uh, sculpture and movable objects and it looks like like uh he's got one i mean right here like this one what's it constantly is plywood resin cinder blocks hose water dye uh pump and hardware <laughs> that's like one of his sculptures yeah you know so it's like and then and then under that there's like a painting that has photographs and then under that there's a huge installation so it's like I loved how he talked about art as being this kind of communication and performance. Like even his regular non-body performance work is like a performance. I like how he talked about that kind of like, um, I mean, I've, I've been thinking about that a lot lately of like art being um, like you kind of have the commodified, part of it the business part of it i guess like music you know you have this mm. part that you have to sell and make money and you have the part of the industry that probably that part of the industry pays for the other part of the industry but that you also then have art as communication and it's just like a different language and that's why a lot of times like for some of this art that people go i don't get it and you're like well you never really learned the you haven't learned the language yet once you start learning the language and seeing where this comes from and where that comes from like even things that look completely ridiculous start to have more meaning and you start realizing like, oh, I think it's ridiculous because I just don't know the language. And then once you get in there and you start seeing the, the little the little bits and you notice how it's similar to other artists, maybe that gallery works like that. And, um, like his work is that way too, because even looking at it, I'm like, I don't even, what's going on here? There's like a bunch of knives like knives cemented to a piece of wood. <laughs> yeah. But then you're like, okay, well that's just one photo and then it goes with this other photo that's like a spray-painted palm tree coming out of a rocket. You know, it's like wow, what's going on here? But it seems very honest and like uh specific.
0: Yeah, I always think of his there's a point of view like there, you know what I mean. They're, it's very—it's there. It comes from a, a person. This isn't just a random assemblage of things, so, but yeah, certainly has. There's intent, I guess. You know, you can feel the intent, even if you don't can't parse out the meaning from the content. You know, but the intent is there—that is supposed to be happening this Definitely. way.
1: and you can and you can see also that I mean when he talks about Fort Thunder and RISD and them, like that whole group of people finding, um. You know, finding junk or getting into the was it his where they he talked about going into the mattress like the mattress store that went out of business <laughs> I forget and they now, like broke they broke into the mattress store and because it had gone out of business and they stole a bunch of mat well yeah, uh, repurposed procured. repurposed yeah. a bunch of mattress mattresses allegedly and um and then they built the wrestling ring. Out of that, they put the mattresses down and then wrapped them, and then that was the base of the wrestling ring. But I, I feel like his artwork has a similar vibe of finding found objects, um, incorporated into these like narratives, and it's not, but it's not random. It seems like very put together, and there's something to say, but you probably don't know what until you really (laughs) like dive into it. And then you can slowly see how things go together.
0: And I, I liked where, too, there was there was kind of a narrative, you know, from sort of like figurative drawings. And it seemed like there was a moment where he kind of cracked in a way. I don't know if crack's the right word, but just sort of like threw away his whole body of work and then oh, just started right. again. Like that was really dramatic.
1: Yeah. I he wasn't... did the John Baldessari. Do you know the John Baldessari <laughs> no. story? What's, what's he, he did a similar thing when he had all of this old work and then he got to a point. And I don't remember the story of why, but he got to a point to where he realized he was going to go a different direction, and it had nothing to do with his old work. So he grabbed all of it, started a fire, and burned all of it, and then called it, I will not, he either called that a, a work, like a performance, and said, "I will never make bad art again," or something, and just repeated it like you were like you were drawing it on. A, I don't remember how it was exactly. It was like you were drawing it on a computer. Like in and Chuck Bird. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And you're like, "I will never make bad art again. I will never make bad art again." And it, and it was his whole thing, like kind of getting rid of the past. And so I thought when he did that, I'm like, oh, "It's such a like must have been so cathartic, especially him." Um, talking about or explaining his old work as being so specific and like beautiful, perfect stretched watercolor paper with like perfect paintings and everything looked like it was almost printed out of a computer to go from that to then what he shows now is like, you can see why he's like, yeah, I'm done with that. And now I'm on to this new thing. That's more like less what I think art is and or what I think art should be to go to like what I think art is. I think it seems like.
0: Wow. Yeah. I, you- just, I, I get, I get so wrapped up in my own brain, I guess. And, and when thinking about it, cause I guess, you know, coming from a place of music where it always just feels like, like i don't know like even if i deleted a bunch of music everything's all out online now you know what i mean like the music just exists even if i were to never play those songs again that's like there's a relationship with time i think that happens yeah. in in a, in a musical sort of way yeah like, i guess if nobody had heard them or if i just had records that i'd never released and then i broke them you know or the destroyed the so that no one would ever hear it i guess that'd be the closest equivalent to it but yeah I don't well, know. I just feel music like there's is also a sense of no. time. Oh, so yeah. oh no, ahead. no, sorry. No, I just think there's there's a sense of like time. Like, well, that was this this place in this time that created those things that was who I was there. And I think yeah. you, you you have a chance every second to sort of reinvent yourself and to kind of become totally. someone new in each in each new phase and then change again and then change and change, you know, you can you can, Totally. You can, do, you can do that.
1: But I think that you from from listening to your stories, you've always come from that place of like uh I mean, you first started by recording like you like taking apart electronics and like messing with <laughs> electronics and like making weird tapes in your bedroom that were like very art like the idea of it being art was there from the very beginning and not just like I'm going to learn chords and then I'm going to learn scales and then I'm going to learn I'm going to learn how to be really proficient at guitar and then oh, I'm going to yeah. write pop songs and then I'm, <laughs> like so I think like maybe if you started that way first and then and then like ten years later we're like, whoa, 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 wait. I don't want to play just the blues. I wanna like I wanna repurpose like electronic weird noises and and make tapes in my bedroom. Then right. maybe you'd be like, Yeah, let's uh let's burn all those old blues tapes quick. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> oh but also gosh. music doesn't exist. It's not like right. a physical like a music is all is an idea and then you either have to have someone play it, or you have to have a machine to play it. But other than that, it's like just an idea that's floating around, which I think Ooh. is different than music. Which I, which is why I think it's hard to like. Like the music industry went for, a, like, was very profitable for a while because of uh, the price of plastic, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like they figured out how to make records, and they're like, oh, it's a, it's a dollar to make a record, and we can sell it for ten dollars. Oh, this is, there's a great profit here and you can pay for everybody's salary because of this plastic. And then once the plastic went away it's like, uh, wait, how do we, how we charge in for this thing? Oh, live shows. Okay. I mean, yeah, ish. How, you can only go out and play live shows for so long.
0: The live shows don't keep selling themselves. Right. <laughs> right. It's wild. Yeah. It is weird. It, yeah. i always think of, you know, that there's some kind of older tradition of sort of, you know. Uh, campfire songs or something, you know, or this, totally. you know, there's a reason they exist the way that the, the reason there's a reason music's important the way it is, but you know, who's, well, it, it's, yeah, it's coming up in, in, in some future interviews. We can get to it. But I think, you know, I was the idea was brought up, I'm sorry, I'm living a little bit in the future for, I've re- recorded a few more of these, That's but, right. but, um, but just the idea that maybe I'm too hung up on, on even just the money of all of it, that really at the end of the day that, that music sh- is supposed to just be fun. You know and that's just really it yeah. and that, like ninety nine percent of the world just thinks of the music they make as fun it has no relationship to it ever making money
1: well again you know? I think yeah. music is communication so it's like so you can either choose to try to make money from that communication somehow or it can just be fun I don't know yeah I mean I think art is the same way I think even with Joel he he's a teacher right he's a yeah. teacher at the community college and he's yeah. like, he's like, dude, it's the best job. I love it. It's the best job ever. But also when you have a job, he now gets to make whatever art he wants because it's like, he doesn't have to try to pay necessarily pay his bills. I mean, I'm assuming Yeah. he gets paid enough to where he doesn't have to get pay his bills by his artwork. And so then you get to be free to be like, Oh, okay. So now I can just make the thing that I want people like that. I want to communicate to people. And I think that's why. I mean, speaking of Baldessari or Kath, Catherine Opie and all of those people, they're all professors, you know. And like, I don't know. I'm sure Baldessari raked it in, money wise. <laughs> but but even like like a lot of those bigger artists, I don't think they make as much money as people think. <laughs> you know, they're all like full time professors, and most mostly mostly people teach or or have kind of another thing. And even like when they're they're selling. I mean, I, I went through this with a buddy of mine of someone because I shoot paintings for a lot of artists. And um, I was speaking with somebody and who is a successful commercial artist and is also painting. And he was running me through how long it takes him to do it because his paintings are very detailed and they almost look like prints. I guess it was kind of similar to what Joel was talking about with his watercolors. And... But he was like, yeah, no, that's seven layers of paint. So that color, because I have to repaint it seven times. And this one is, and we went through the hours of his paintings and his painting, like they were these massive paintings and they were like 20, I don't know what they were, $25,000 or something. But he went through the hours and then he's like, yeah, so you split that with the gallery. So that's 12,000. And then this painting takes uh, like two months of time. And so he's like $6,000 a month. He's like, this is like a, it's like a job. And that's not, <laughs> and that's not counting like the paint and the canvas, like the canvas, just the canvas costs like almost a thousand bucks. And then, you know, just yeah, like yeah. going through these things is like, yeah, this is diamond. not like a way to make money. <laughs> <laughs> like even when you're making, even when you're, when you're selling these things, it's like, oh, this is this exorbitant price. And you're like, well, that cost $900 just to get the frame for that. You know, like the framing <laughs>
0: yeah. is, 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 is there are more materials involved than yeah. anything. But they <laughs> even look at like the gallery side. You see, they go, oh, but they have half. What are they doing with that? And then you probably you know, figure out whatever their rent or mortgage is on wherever yeah. they are at and yeah. whatever cool part of town they cost them just to keep their lights on. Yeah, I mean, I'd thing.
1: imagine like the top 5% of galleries maybe are making like an okay profit. Like from selling, like from having shows and selling work, and the majority of the other part is them being, um, like the go-between of so, like, hey, we know we want someone who has a um a Jonas Wood basketball painting. Ooh, I know someone who's gonna uh, wants to sell one. Okay, hold on, and then you get your ten percent for like doing the deal. That's yeah. how like Gagosian and all those a lot of their money is that backdoor. I mean and it's not it's like they know all the people who have all the stuff right they know all the people who's like oh that person bought that painting from us 10 years ago let me see if he wants to sell it oh it's just in a oh yeah it's worth three times as much great so we'll sell it and they make their 10% and then they make the 10% every single time and then eventually that's
0: amazing you're a massive gallery because <laughs> <laughs> you can't just list your uh, your fancy painting on uh, Offer Up or you know or no <laughs> You're not just going to Yeah, put it, it there, might like, hey, devalue, you know. it might devalue just a little
1: bit. <laughs> Offer
0: <Wow. laughs> a so, gallery, yeah, biggest gallery so, in the world. They need yeah. galleries for um for equipment. I guess there's a few a few small places like that. Like, hey, you know, so and so is trying to sell an amp. Like, okay, yeah, we can get his this fancy, you know, this famous person's amp to this other famous person. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that exists in some form. Oh, right. Everybody has, everybody <laughs> has gear this. dealers. <laughs>
1: everyone has a hustle man that's it
0: nothing nothing would happen without the hustlers <laughs> oh man cool well yeah i'm enjoying this uh this providence five five fucking thursdays theme yeah month. i think it's so yeah. far so far it's going well this is uh week two into it. and then coming up uh this week we have um brian chippendale
1: oh i'm excited on so thursday
0: yeah yeah i think that'll be fun he was. It was. It was good to catch up with him. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about on the yeah. next one.
1: I know. I remember. I can. I can. My my first um, time that I experienced lightning bolt. Speaking of next next week. Yeah. Is that I was over at my friend Bruce's house and he's like, "Dude, I just got this video. You got to watch this." And it might not have even have been a DVD. It might have been a VHS. Oh yeah. And so he puts this VHS in. He's like, I don't even, I don't, I can't even explain this. Shows it, and it's the Lightning Bolt tour video that they put out in like the the power salad, two thousand something. Yeah, and it's them like at one point they're playing in someone's kitchen in Texas, maybe, and they're set up. And if you know, like it's Lightning Bolt, they're one of the loudest bands that. This huge stack of amps. Yeah, yeah, huge stack of amps, and drums and the, the microphone and the face mask and the whole thing. And it's these just like Hicks in Texas that just look like country, like country kids. And they're freaking out in the, <laughs> and it goes from that and then it's like someone else's house. And then they're playing in a, I don't know, parking garage and then they're playing. And we just sat there and didn't turn the video off and just watch and I'm like, what, I don't, what is, is this real? Is this a joke? Like these? How did they even get these shows? What, what's going on? And um, that was my first. Like, um, so I'm excited to hear the Brian Brian oh. one too. But and it it seemed like that was like listening to Joel. Like that was the vibe for that whole scene of like how they they both talked about how it wasn't like you were just in a band like everyone was in involved. So it was like you were either in a band that was playing, or if you were watching, you were either going to play, or you had already played, or you were going to play next week, or you were going to do a performance, or you were dressed up for the show in as a character, or you were like building out Fort Thunder, or you—it was just like it just seemed like everybody was involved, and I feel like he brought up the the community, like, like build your own community, right? Like the second that you're trying to be a part of a community that already exists, then it's probably past its prime. Mm. Like when you're younger. Right. I think right. that that was like, like, and again, I can bring up you and the smell and of like, That thing just happened. Like all of a sudden, you would go to the smell and be like, What are are all these bands come from? (laughs) Like, there were so many more bands, and it wasn't like, Oh, a band touring through. All of a sudden, it was like all these local kids. And then it was packed. And then everybody was like, Oh, that's the, they're, they're from Mika Miko. Oh, they're from, oh, wait, this band, that band. And everybody was in a band, or they were like trying to write for the LA Weekly, or they were like taking photos, or and it was this thing that was it just happened so uh, organically but it was a group of people and i think that's happening in art here now like a bunch of people that when we had our gallery that there was a, like a bunch of people who were starting out and at that moment like a lot of those people have have like organically created this LA scene where they all slowly were like getting shows together Oh, this person is working for this gallery. This da 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 da. da. And now a lot of those a lot of those artists that kind of maybe figured it out together. I don't know. I think Mm -hmm. that there's a. And then a lot of those people are writers now. Also, like started writing, started like Carla magazine. Started like started all of these these local things. And then slowly now a lot of those artists are getting in with bigger galleries and stuff. And I think it's like a really, there's something to be said about like, a like the group, the energy of a group kind of carrying, carrying the group
0: yeah well you see you have something to bounce off of i think it's not you're not just feeling like you're spinning out in a void there's something about having that community around yeah. you. you can kind of like get immediate feedback on ideas or whether it's you know songs or, or paintings or performances you have something to, you, to kind of bounce off of and it'll maybe inspire ideas i think that's how i felt early on with doing stuff with the smell it was sort of like we'd write a song at practice and like oh i wonder how how so and so is going to like this song because I know they're going to be yeah. at the show because they're always at the show, or something yeah. that would be that kind of immediate sort of thing of like, oh, I bet people will laugh at this part. Like that that funny guitar part is like kind of an inside joke, but yeah. I'm gonna, you know. But it, so when I do that, it'll be funny. They'll notice it. Yeah. And I remember that kind of being one of those early, sort of things of like, oh, we're playing for people that I don't know. There's a bunch of strangers here, you know. As as the band got, had some popularity or notoriety, and yeah. then it definitely felt different. And I'm like, oh, this isn't the same thing. And then and then the same thing going into practice, like, am I writing songs for strangers now? Like, I don't know how to write songs for strangers, <laughs> like.
1: I could. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good album title. Actually, Songs for strangers.
0: <laughs> It'll be the next solo record. Um, yeah, it's 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 a funny one because you don't really know. But but again, that talks to the, like the, about the intention of making art or making music. But I think a community can sort of provide that protection early on. Right, You know, and, um, and there's some validation in, in a small sort of way, especially when you're yeah. starting out and not really sure of, of what your own identity or your own sort of like artistic identity is or your point of view or what you're trying to get across. Like having those communities is, is huge.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, I guess you're able to trust all of those, a lot of those people or all of them to like their, their taste and their like, um. Like if they came up and went like, eh, I, don't know. I don't know, what was that last song? What are you guys trying to do? You'd be like, oh, I never really thought about that. Because like, you actually respect, like, but then like it's a good, it's a good way to like uh, put something out and watch it bounce back and and see like, you know, sometimes I've done that where I'll, like love something like even someone else's song, like oh my god, you got to listen to this song, and then I play it for someone and then I look at them and I go, huh this isn't a good song, is it? <laughs> oh, this is such a great song. Why is it? Why am I getting a weird vibe? Why is it? with oh. stink face. Mm, interesting. I remember, I'm, I'm going to yeah. re- listen to
0: this in a different way from now on. <laughs> we were talking about Jennifer from Mika Miko and, and bleached earlier before the, the yeah. mics before started rolling. But, um, I remember early on, cause she, she dated, she used to date Dean, um, from, from no age. And when, uh, I remember we were playing somewhere, and, and I think, well, I, I, I can be very specific about it. I remember we, she came with us so the first time we went to Japan on tour. And we okay. were writing songs for Nouns, I feel like around that time, or had just finished writing Nouns, the, our first record for Sub Pop. And, and I remember coming off stage somewhere, I remember it was Osaka, and she like, you know, she's like, I like that song that sounds like Smashing Pumpkins, 1979. I just looked at her like the fuck is wrong with you i don't have any songs that sound like that it's like you know the one that does the thing and i'm like i have no idea what you're talking about but it was still like i think if she would have told me that before we'd recorded it it probably would have caused me to go back and change the part if i could you know figure out what it was but i think by that point it had already been recorded but hadn't come out or something yeah. like that but i remember it was like I don't, think but I don't. Looking back, I don't think she meant it as an insult. I think no. she probably meant like, "Oh, that's cool. That's a song that's on the like radio. It's heavier. Like, it's that's like, cool. Or, yeah, yeah. Or that's a good part." But in my mind, I was so like just insulted. I'm Like what the <laughs> fuck, Man, it's, I'm ripping off Billy Corgan's like giant radio hits. Like that does not sound original.
1: <laughs> You're not calling me Corgan, are you?
0: Yeah. You but saying again, I'm Corgan? I'm not Corgan. <laughs> what but it also but it's like it's that kind of but it's a response from the community and it just makes me laugh thinking about it like well why didn't you tell me that before yeah you know, but but i think upon further review i think i went through each song with her like later i'm like tell me where it is what is this part i have to know what the hell are you hearing because i'm not hearing this Yeah. and then we figured it out and i'm like no your your ears are just broken that's not that, that part is at all i can i can safely say i can safely play that part now and You're like Ooh, it's a of relief. song yeah like okay like, did I accidentally rip off a, I mean, it could happen. I'm not, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but mean, at that time too, I think it was just such a, you know, we're a new band and trying to do new songs and you feel, you yeah. know, make a new, new statement. And then if there was well, certainly a really Corrigan riff, I would have, I would have felt mortified.
1: Well, especially at, at that point. I mean, that was only like four or five years probably after that song was written.
0: <laughs> maybe a little bit more. I mean, it yeah, like, yeah. Something like that. It was like, would have been very, I guess maybe gauche. 10, yeah.
1: maybe 10. <laughs> But it wasn't thirty. It wasn't like no. cool nineties tribute thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just but, but I love that. If, immediate, I mean, I, immediate response
0: ahead. from from a community member or from something like that. You know, and I've definitely you know there be other friends or you know give you a hard time or something or like make fun of a, make fun of you and you'd make fun of them. And it was, but yeah. it, that's what it was all about. That's what was fun. Sometimes you would create bands just to just as a joke. You know, yeah. like oh, like this guy's always talking shit. Like we should start a band and just make a really dumb band for one night.
1: Yeah. I actually heard of one, someone who was, um, um, a, uh, recording, like an engineer who had a band and he had his like cool band that he loved. And then he started kind of a joke band with a bigger artist and they were like, just played some like, Oh, we're going to do this metal thing.
0: And that band went on on to become LCDC or or LCD (laughs) sound system. (laughs) That
1: band became, became huge. Or bigger than his yeah. other band. And then he was just like, Ugh, never start a joke band, man. <laughs> what band
0: was, <laughs> it, that? It what basically, was that? What's that? What band was it? it? I mean, it wasn't a oh. joke
1: band, but it was like, um, what is it? It was Alex Newport. Oh. Uh, and he had Fudge Tunnel, which was his like 90s band. Okay. And then he, he did... Um, that sounds like na- a joke band. Nail, uh, nail Bomb, I think, okay. was with the guy from Sepultura. Oh, okay. But it was like a heavy. It was just like heavy.
0: But Sepultura and will he, get you that. I think their, and, their fans and he, he was just like, oh my god, this
1: this got. And sorry, Alex. I no. don't want to be. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be like uh, putting Three you out there. No, but I it think but the was more just like, story. oh my god, this this got bigger than the band that I was in. This song or yeah. the, the EP or whatever they recorded. Ended up I being love those group.
0: stories though of the like, oh, this song was a, was a joke and then it became the biggest <laughs> hit. Or like, We weren't going to put that on there, but they said we had to put it on there. I love that. I've wanted one of those <laughs> experiences my entire career. I'm yeah. like, no, the song's terrible. What? And then you have the top 40 hit or the top 10 hit. And, like, yeah. I don't think we've ever written a bad song, but there's also, you know, but there's those moments of like, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's a, <laughs> you hear these. You hear these stories, like you want I think your smells
1: like Teen Spirit. I mean, right. the, you know the story of that one, right? It was no. like the last was, one. Okay. was a, They last hadn't recorded they it. Okay. And they had it, and they record, and then I think it was just Butch Vig was like, well, we have got to record that one. We need one more, whatever." And then they recorded it, and they were so worried that everybody was going to call them out for ripping off the Pixies. Oh, they were L- like, "Was it at sticks?"
0: more Dang, than nah, a nah. feeling
1: well <laughs> yeah there's that but that but just, but just the loud, slow, quiet, like loud. the loud quiet yeah. and the like
0: nah, 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 nah,
1: nah. like like the the lyrics are very like frank black kind of oh, how funny craziness and that's what i feel like that was like a dave Grohl thing he's like honestly we are like really that that's what you're gonna choose for the Oh, God, Everybody's single. just gonna be like, "Oh, ripping off the Pixies. Turns out nobody else knew who the Pixies was,
0: yeah, <laughs> other than the... Like, the good friends. for Nirvana, bad for the Pixies, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I ultimately played good for the Pixies in the long run, I'm sure. oh yeah, that gave him a lot of a lot of juice the yeah. um but the one thing that always happened to us is we would always have one more song that wasn't quite finished. And so we were recording and it was, it was an idea or kind of a spark. And then it would just be like, ah, but it's not really done. Let's just, let's just, you know, we'll say this is the album, that one we, we, let's, we have to keep writing on that one. And then that would get held over. And then that'd be the first one we'd record for the, um, the next record. And inevitably that was, those would become kind of the singles for the, for the next record. It was kind of the holdover from the last record. It was sort of the, the one, like the bridge. The one that you spent, would you play that song live
1: and try, yes. like, try to work it out live and exactly. stuff?
0: Exactly. So we probably spent more time messing with it live and figuring it out in, in between the, cause we'd go on the tour for the, for the, for the previous record tour and then add in this new song and like, Hey, this is yeah. a fun new song and play it a bunch and then could probably refine it. And then we'd go in and write new ones and then, hold because so it was the uh what was that so, uh fever dreaming was the mm-hmm. kind of the single off of this our um second record but we had that ready for around the nouns air nouns time and same thing with like eraser or or maybe even teen creeps or something in there like from you know it's just like whatever the song that was the the standout song from the record was always kind of hanging around longer than the rest of them yeah i mean that makes sense yeah you get, yeah give, get the most time with it yeah, I think that always helps. Yeah, we did. But when we then when we took, you know, kind of a break between um, the Sub Pop Records and the, and the Drag City Records, and then uh, we actually did a tour. We booked a U.S. tour, I think like eight dates just around – or not a U.S. tour, sorry, a California tour, just kind of from L.A. to um, San Francisco and even Sacramento and back, just to play all those new songs before we mm-hmm. recorded them. And I think it helped. It definitely helped just having, you know, even just that many live dates, of just playing new songs. Yeah. It kind of you. I mean, them. you can
1: watch people and see like, oh, that wait, that part didn't work. That part worked. <laughs> or even just up.
0: Yeah, and even just watch yourself like if you find, you know, we start getting bored for that part like, really we're do, going there for a fourth time? Does this song really need a fourth yeah. verse? <laughs> like I'm pretty sure pretty sure yeah. it starts to sag or we we're, we're getting bored or we start, you know, looking at our shoes (laughs) or looking around like then you go okay that's enough let's go ahead and
1: you have your little notepad on stage "Mm, let's see uh
0: no it's a lot of looks cut that it's a lot of of like "Mm, you think so really i don't know that part and then we talk after like yeah cut that part okay tomorrow night we'll do it differently and then you kind of get to just rehearse it you know and just sort of knock out all the 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 bugs that's cool it's a tight song but i love that yeah, I think you know it's one of those things too. But again, it's the same weather. Even if you can't tour it, but if you can just play, you know, as many times. That's why we say like you have your your whole life to write your first record, and about six months to write your second one. Yeah, we always kind of have the sophomore slump. Like, well, the Why's That record doesn't sound as good as the first one. Yeah,
1: yeah, because we didn't have it in our heads for, and pl- for- weren't playing it
0: for years. <laughs> yeah, and then somehow, yeah, bands figure it out. But I feel like Weezer was that, like that, right? Like that first record was good, the blue one, and
1: mm-hmm. then the second
0: one. I don't know what the second one was. The second one was that the person was like
1: one? not like uh wasn't the second one the um Pinkerton? Blue uh
0: Pinkerton? Yeah. Was it Pinkerton? I, I think so. But I guess that became a different story. That was his like. And then that was like
1: everybody didn't like it, but then now <laughs> that's like the classic one.
0: <laughs> so funny. But well, I feel like Rivers, he's like one of those he like figured out a um an algorithm or, or code yeah. to write yeah. pop songs. He just does, he just writes by like, you know, he's, he's the first kind of like AI songwriter, yeah. <laughs> or at least he has been maybe his whole life. I don't know. But yeah. just in the last like 17 albums they've put out, he just knows like, Oh, the song will need three chords. And with this kind of me- consecutive notes in the melody, and then that'll be our pop song and then everything else. Well, they
1: were definitely one of those bands that you'd hear the new song that would come out and you thought it was a joke. Right, and then he'd be like, "Oh God, again! This is like this song is not gonna go. This song's not gonna go anywhere." (laughs) And then it becomes like massive, and then it comes on, and I'm start I'm singing it. And I'm like, how am I singing? Oh. Wait, he got, I just got, he got wizard.
0: me. I got wizard.
1: <laughs> and wizard,
0: wizard, wizard, <laughs> wizard. porky <Porgy laughs> beans, Beverly Hills.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's definitely it. Was the Beverly Hills song? Yeah. That's the song I heard that. I remember hearing that on the no. radio and going, "What? This is oh, horrific." Come on. Did they and then somebody? That becomes like off. their biggest song ever.
0: Yeah. Or say with whatever like the offspring. Remember how terrible that band was? Oh my god. But it just yeah. felt like they just but I feel like it was almost like writing to the like the prompt, like there was like an advertising agency mm. that needed a song, and they yeah. just wrote to that. I mean, they it, were the biggest you
1: know, selling independent uh artists of all time for a long time. Offspring. I don't know it's if horrible. they still are. Horrific. Yeah. I mean they built that uh the epitaph. What's the label? Mansion. Epitaph. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, again, and, but it just doesn't and,
0: feel like anything. It's like, well, like, yeah, like congratulations, like, oh wow, Do you know what? You know what sells? Like, you know, wow, sugar, sugar, salt, yeah. and fat sells. Like, what? Turns out it works. What? No, you I mean if I yeah. just make this this dish like ten times sweeter, everyone's gonna really <laughs> like it. You know, my kids will like this food if if I just have if it's all sugar with a side of sugar,
1: and it will wow. make them fall asleep after this. <laughs> and then I'm in. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, I shot photos of them once for one oh. of those. It was like a MySpace secret show, and they oh. they played it in um, Pomona. Well, I'm those sure are, they're really nice Pomona? people. Yeah, no, yeah, it was fine. But I mean, they were nice. Yeah, but when when they played the show, it was like in a um, was that the Glass House? I don't remember where it was, yeah. but that um, they played for like two hours, and I knew every song. Oh my god. I was like, how do I know this many Offspring songs? That's right. I knew all of them. Because you listened like, to
0: Alternative Radio from 93 to I guess. 2003. I was like,
1: they play another one. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot how massive of a band they were. But Green Day, the same thing. I did like a thing, shot them live, again, for one of the MySpace things. And they played in San Francisco. And they played, I don't, yeah, an hour and a half, two hours. Knew every song i like, I don't know if I ever, I probably bought Dookie. I probably had that record, but I haven't bought any Green Day records since then. And I knew all of the songs. Like if They have this many radio songs. It's insane.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yep. Some people Sometimes. are just
1: blessed that way.
0: Blessed. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> Too blessed to that be stressed. Pre-hashtag pre blessed. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Well, yeah, let, let's wrap it up here. Before I talk more shit about Green Day and Offspring and, and <laughs> jeopardize my, oh, I can keep my epitaph, my epitaph uh, um, advertising uh, campaign. <laughs> those,
1: ad, those ad dollars. Are not coming all that, in all right that
0: Mr. Brett advertising dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool. Well, yeah, we will be back. So we'll, we got uh, Chippendale coming up this Thursday, and then we'll be back next Monday. Everybody stay safe out there. Watch, uh, awesome. Watch the roads. Don't get stuck in a, in a K-hole. Don't get flooded out. <laughs> Yeah. In the water. Any kind of hole. No holes. No holes. Don't get stuck anywhere. We'll see you next (laughs) Monday. Bye. Bye.